Hello, I'm Stu Sensei and welcome to the Stu Sensei English Podcast, the place that helps you unlock your English ability. Let's crack on with the show. Welcome to the Stu Sensei English Podcast with me, Stu Sensei, and today we have a special guest, Mike from America. Not that Mike you're thinking of, though. This is Mike from Happy English New York, and he's going to give us some great tips on pronunciation. Thank you so much for joining today. Great to have you here. Um, can you give us a bit of background on yourself and why you decided to become a teacher? So, like, um, when I was 18 years old, um, I was in college studying music, and I also worked a part-time job in a grocery store. And one of the regular customers said, "Hey, I know you play guitar, and you're in the in the music school. If you know anybody who's a teacher, let me know." So I went to school the next day. I asked my teacher. I said, "Do you know any teachers?" And he goes, "Yeah, you. You're the t- teacher." I said, "What?" So that's how I started teaching. I started as a music teacher, and I did that for 14 years. And then long story short, had an interest in in Japan, went to Japan, found out that you could become an English teacher. And then I went back to Japan and got a job there. Actually, I got a job and then I went to Japan. So that's how I got into teaching. Were there many, um, how popular was the native English speaker teacher thing happening at that point? Was the JET program in place then? The JET was in place. Yep. I applied for the JET, but I was 32 years old, so I was too old for them, although they didn't tell me. And there was a thriving Eikaiwa business in in Japan at that time. Um, And there were, you know, most of the schools had either British or American or Canadian or Australian teachers, as well as the Japanese teachers. Okay. And I think I left Japan in 98. And then in the early 2000s, I think the business started to crumble or or, or change. And, and I believe now it's shifted more towards teaching kids than teaching adults. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. It's predominantly um, kid-based, I'd say. But there are still like a large, large companies that deal with adults, of course. There's there's many companies that do that, like Gabba and that oh, kind okay. of thing. So you came in to do predominantly adults when you yeah. first came to Japan, yeah yeah i think in the four years that i was there i i had one or two kids only wow. it was all all adults how was, it, it was, a how full was schedule. your japanese whilst you were here so i started studying japanese three years before i got there oh. and then i studied while i was there and um a good friend of mine who's actually still in japan had been in japan a couple of years before i got there he was fluent and we played in a band together and our bandmates were all Japanese and they didn't speak English. So that was good motivation too. Mm. And I always thought I'm going to speak better than David. So okay. I never That's got amazing. there yet, but I'm still working on it. It must be more difficult now you're back in New York though. Yeah, It is. But my wife is Japanese, so that, that helps. Um, but, you know, daily conversation with your partner is very limited and it's always the same conversation. Relative, and yeah. so... Yeah. And so, but I, I'm still working on it. Still working on the reading and writing because at some point in the future, I will return to Japan um, and spend my retirement years there. Oh, really? So is that the I plan? To to the plan is to retire here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Get um, me out of here. 
<laughs> why why Japan is the retirement place? I love Japan. I love living there. I love the culture. I love the food. I love the alcohol. How about your wife though? Because my for me, obviously, my wife's Japanese as well, and uh, she's dying to get back to England. So totally opposite here. If mm. I said to my wife, "Listen, we're going to move to Japan tomorrow," she would be her suitcase would be packed before the sentence came out of my mouth. <laughs> Amazing. And I would already have my bag packed. So that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Obviously, you're on social media. I'm sure you've been on for quite a long time. How? When did you start? Why did you start? And um, what's your plans going forward? So. I worked in Japan for um, an Eikaiwa school called Geos. Eikaiwa no Geos. And um, they had about 450 schools in Japan. They had 50 schools overseas. So um, I worked for them for 17 years, four years in Japan, and the rest of the time in New York until they went bankrupt in 2009. And so at that point in time, I thought to myself, all right, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And then I thought, you know what? I want to teach again. Because at that time I was in management. I wasn't teaching so much. And I thought, you know what? I want to go by the teaching. So that's how I started Happy English. And then in 2010, you know, nobody knew me. So, okay, how, how am I going to get people to know me? So I started a blog where I was blogging English lessons. And then I was posting those on Twitter and Facebook. Because those two social media were in existence at that time of course yeah and then um and then youtube and i was i was on youtube at that time and then in 2014 it i i found out about podcasts and at that time you couldn't walk down the street with your mobile phone and watch a youtube video sure but you could walk down the street and listen to a podcast so instead of continuing full on with YouTube, I switched to podcast, which Michael considers to be the worst, mis the biggest mistake in his business career. Because had I continued doing English lessons on YouTube, I would have, you know, a million followers. By yeah, now. I see what you mean. And because and I was right there when it all exploded and yeah. I moved to podcasts, but that's OK. I went back three years later. Or you could be um, extremely ahead of time because podcast is such a big thing. Yeah. I, you know, I, in terms of the, of social media, I try everything. And so, um, you know, if there's like clubhouse was new, I try that. I'm using that still. Um, I try everything. TikTok. Um, Cause all of that evolves, you know? And so an Instagram um, of course, Facebook, what else? LinkedIn, Snapchat. Can't think of what else I do. Something else. I just discovered a Chinese, the Chinese version of YouTube called Billy Billy. Sure. Where I upload videos to that, because that's a separate market in China, because they have the Great Wall, the Great Firewall. Yeah, I mean, but, I, uh, moving... I've, I've tried to put stuff up on on different sites throughout. But it's impossible to get to the main ones, especially living in Japan. Actually, I just got a VPN, so maybe that will change soon. But um, are you able to go directly to um, the website? The, the website from your location? In a yeah. That's good news. Yeah. Really, really wonderful. Yeah. 
So I try everything and I try to, to, to keep up with like what's new and what's, you know, um, what the, what social media is doing um, and what they're changing and, oh, this, we're doing this now, like Instagram introduced reels. Mm. Um, and so I try and, and keep up with, you know, with those changes too, to see what's going on and how, how people can find me and more people can find me. That's the whole goal. Do you think that your method methodology around social media has adapted to the times? Have you adjusted um, what you previously were done? Was it difficult to change with each social media or did you find it easy? Are you relatively easy to uh, accept change? I'm, I'm always okay to accept change because I try everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, it's, not, it's not, you know, you have to learn it and you have to yeah. practice it. And so I'm still trying to refine what I post and how I post. And I'm kind of picky. I'm a little bit of a geek when it comes to production, podcast production, video production. So not only does the information that I'm talking about need to be uh, good information um, and and helpful for the students, but it's got to have a good production value. And I spend way too much time editing and producing videos and way too much time producing a podcast, but I'm picky that way. So. Okay. Well, I mean, I I think once you attain a a skill and once you get, begin to become, to refine that skill, then you want to Mm. continuously do that level that you've got yourself up to, you know? So I completely understand. And everything's always, things are always changing, you know, um images were big three years ago now video is big yeah right um a podcast and audio is 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 very strong now because a lot of people are tired of staring at a screen all day exactly and they want to hear they want to listen to something so um you know yeah you got to keep up with the changes that's important too and do you have any advice for anyone who wants to become a teacher yeah it's interesting somebody somebody just asked me how do i become a teacher somebody just asked me that a couple of days ago on instagram and i said um uh think about what you're good at doing because they didn't say what kind of teacher i said think about what you're good at doing find people who want to learn that and teach them you know if you want to become a teacher um then you got to teach whatever you want to do you have to just have to do it so just start doing it um, and if it's, you know, you want to become an English teacher or a language teacher, get a website and blog English lessons or, or blog English lessons on social media, post English lessons on social media, so people can know who you are um, and get to know you and, uh, and just do that. And then do it consistently. Many students worry about their accent. You know, it's a big mm-hmm. thing at the minute. Um, I'm sure they're watching different shows and they're thinking they want to sound similar to that you know just like me as a kid I wanted to be like uh David Beckham for example playing football so we all have that aspiration when we first start something Mm -hmm. a skill um do you think accent is the is the thing that people should concentrate on from the beginning there are lots of different accents somebody told me recently that there's 30 different accents in the United States alone Hmm. um I've met lots of people from the UK and you guys probably have 30,000 different accents there. Right? <laughs> just, just 40. Exaggerating. 40. Okay, there you go. 
And so um, there are a lot of people, because inter- English is an international language, there are a lot of people who speak with an accent. Yes. You know, whether it's a French accent or Italian accent or Middle Eastern accent or whatever. And so um, I don't think that that's something that learners should be too focused on or worried about maybe. So the most important thing is communication skills. So practice communicating. Now, if your, if your pronunciation or your accent um, is not clear and it's difficult for people to understand you, then yeah, you need to work on that. Um, but I've met a lot of very fluent people who say, oh, I, I wish I could sound like so-and-so or I wanna have a, a better accent. In that case, um, that's, a, that's a goal to work with once you're at the intermediate or the advanced level, absolutely. You know, I listened to um, uh, a guy on, on, uh, on social media, Medesan, who's a Canadian guy living in Japan. And he speaks Japanese very, very well. And he speaks Japanese with really interesting accents and styles, like an anime character or several. And I think to myself, oh my God, I want to speak like that. I want to have that that businessman's voice or something. Or I watch, you know, anime or something. I think, oh, I'd like to speak like that character. So I think it's a good thing to work on, but I don't think it's something that people should worry about. And I say that because I feel like sometimes learners don't speak because they think, oh, my my accent is not perfect. So I shouldn't speak. Just speak. Speak more, speak more, speak more. The more you're fluent, then the more your accent will get smoother, your pronunciation gets smoother. And then once you, you're communicating with people and you don't get that, huh, huh? Yeah. Sometimes native speakers who are not in the, in the language learning world don't have a flexible ear to communicate yeah. with non-native speakers. So, um, but you know, once you're able to communicate with people, and if you feel like, oh, I'd rather I like to speak like so and so, yeah, then you can work on that. But I don't think it's something that um, I don't think that's the number one thing. Build up vocabulary, important, and then speak more, get the output more, use the language more, communicate more. That's to me, I think that's the, the, the more important than worrying about if you, you know, if you speak like some certain actor or actress well many students say similar things to me and i like what you said about the the native speaker doesn't have necessarily a flexible ear it's interesting you know native speakers hear different accents all the time within their own countries you know so whilst it depends where they live obviously if you're stuck in the in the countryside and you're there for the whole of your life maybe you're like you said less flexible but right. yeah because we're mon- generally monolingual um it tends to be that people were not used to listening to a, a foreign accent especially but that doesn't mean it's a negative i think and especially with tv we're now listening to many people from many different places who speak english amazingly you know arnold schwarzenegger i always point to who has yeah. a very strong accent but and was the governor of a of a state within the u.s so right. if someone like that is able to and, a, and a blockbuster movie star because of his accent actually he attributes his accent to being one of the reasons why he's so famous yeah so uh it's very interesting isn't it 
So yeah. I completely um, agree with what you said just a minute ago. Do you think that when one other thing that people seem to worry about is when they go to speak to someone and like you mentioned that some native speakers may not understand certain things that people say, especially if the accent is slightly strong, but mm -hmm. do you think that um, native speakers care that someone is using the, an accent from their own country? I don't, not at all. Mm. Not at all. When I was growing up and we would watch TV or movies, um, somebody speaking English with a French accent, that was cool. Um, that, you know, or a, an Italian or a, or a Spaniard speaking English with, with their country's accent, that was cool. And then we would watch some TV programs and there were people with a British accent. That was cool. And then in the 90s, the Australian accent, that became, or the 80s rather, that became really cool. Um, so it's not, that's not something that people care about. And, you know, one other thing about accent, if you're traveling to, let's say you come to New York, right? You're, you're, a, you're an English learner, you come to New York and you talk to someone um, at, a, at a store or fast food restaurant and they don't understand you. You might like go, oh, my English. But keep this in mind. In an international city like New York, or I guess London, the person that you're talking to might not be a native speaker either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always tell my students that are here in New York and, and abroad, it's, if you have a problem communicating, it might not be you. It could be the person that you're talking to doesn't get it. You know, so like, you know, in the, all the English books, the idiom books, they use the phrase, here's an example, they use the phrase doggy bag. You mm. go to the restaurant, you didn't finish everything, and you would say, hey, can I have a doggy bag? Yeah, well, yeah, first yeah. of all, that idiom is like from the 1950s. People don't use it anymore. I don't think. But you might end up with a young server at a restaurant who's in their early 20s or mid 20s, not from the old generation, never heard that phrase before, a doggy bag, doesn't make any sense. And then you might think, oh, but Michael taught me that in my English lesson, right? So again, about, about things like that, it's, it's not always you. It could yeah, be the person that you're speaking with. 100%, that doggy bag, actually, I, I worked in a uh, hotel for eight years and I've heard it many times that one but, it's, but you're correct it's more by a, an older generation that say it you know so right. maybe in I guess in the US they might say can I get this to go or something like that I've heard that a lot yeah these days they they started what they do is they say do you want a box because what happens is the ah, restaurant sure. will give you like a container they used to take your food and put it in the container and now what they do is they just give you the container and a bag and you pack up your own food Mm, sure, so they sure, say sure. do you want a box for that or the people say can i get a box for that or can i have this to go like you said to go it's quite so, common then, yeah like a, the new yeah this the process of it is still common not necessarily the word right. what you said at the start was interesting because also i always try to explain to learners when i was younger and there was a foreign exchange student come in it's attractive you know it was an attractive thing like because they were different yeah. And that was a good right. thing because obviously you have everyone who's very similar to you at school and then you meet someone completely new and it's like, wow, that's, that's amazing. 
immediately yeah. it makes an impression and then one of the other things that many learners um query on is how to break the ice and having it uh, an accent from your own area for me is the icebreaker immediately because people are interested where are you from you know the conversation just starts right. so yeah it's interesting isn't it yeah absolutely so we're in agreement. it doesn't really matter where you're from but do you think that refining that pronunciation to match the english tongue is a good way to improve communication it all depends on how comfortable you are and how fluent you are Okay. Again, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's something that that people should worry about until they get to the point where they're comfortable having a conversation and confident having a conversation. And then, yeah, but you know, then then the question is, okay, you want to improve your accent or you want to improve your pronunciation and sound more like what? Like somebody recently asked me on social media, what's better American English or British English? Or American TV shows or British TV shows? And I said, it all depends on what you like. There's not a question of which one's better. It's just, what do you like? What are you interested in? So, um, but I know a lot of students obsess about the pronunciation and they, they, oh my God, I have to speak like Stu Sensei. Okay, then then study do and do shadowing, if that's what you want to do. But I don't, I don't think that that's a, a huge thing because really, like, because of the internet, English has become really the international language. Yeah, everybody's speaking English all over the place with all different accents. So, how important is that? Although I will say this. Um, it's it's good to know how people speak how native natives speak so that you can understand them right what do you mean right what do you mean what yeah, do you sure, mean sure, sure, sure. the reduction and liaison uh what you're gonna do tomorrow right i need a battery i need a battery i need a bat i need a battery we don't say i need a battery hmm. so so studying that kind of pronunciation will help you understand better. That'll help you communicate better. So in that respect, it's good to learn how people speak their native language. You know, in, in Japanese, people say, maikuru desu. They don't say maikuru desu, even though yeah, it's yeah, written yeah, with yeah, desu, right? But if you're, if you're a beginner Japanese learner, especially if you're learning Japanese in another country, not Japan, you might not have heard people speak that way. 100%. So then you get to Japan or you meet a Japanese person and they speak the colloquial, casual, usual way. It's, oh, what did he say? So yeah. that's a case where probably learning accent or thinking about accent is going to be helpful for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? We say in America, what do you mean? Yeah, 100%. You have to almost get used to the situation it appears in and then the frequency that you'll hear it is important in those kind of things. Like I common, I regularly get um, issues with something even as simple as how are you? You know, if we look at old textbooks, we see how do you do or something like this, which is really kind of disappeared. Yeah, <laughs> no, like a 19s, 1920s gentleman with a bowler hat. Um, but 
um there's so many variations for even something as simple as how are you and how's it going or what what you've been up to or something like this and i've said it to students that i know are ex excellent at english but they just hadn't heard that variation of that question so sometimes it's right this isn't accent necessarily but even something as simple as a phrase it really depends on the right. situation not necessarily how bad how good or bad your english is or anything like that so and you know i feel that what should i study right the, the number one question how do i improve how do i improve okay every day read something write something speak something and listen to something in, in your second language so those are the four skills right um reading sure. writing speaking listening and so do all of that so that you have a, a kind of a rounded approach. If you only focus on, I'm going to study grammar. Okay. I feel like if you're at a certain point and you can communicate with people, you don't need to spend time studying grammar. You need to build your vocabulary and speak more, listen more, and get more comfortable using the language. And that's it for today. Make sure you check out Happy English New York, Happy English NY on Instagram for some great content there. You can find me at Stu Sensei English on Instagram too. And I look forward to speaking to you next time on this podcast. Ciao.